Thanks for tuning in to the Revival Tabernacle Podcast. Wherever you may be listening from, we hope that this message encourages you in the unwavering, unconditional love of Jesus Christ. Join us as we reach sinners, raise believers, and release leaders. Please enjoy the message from the RT Pulpit. You're going to get a treat tonight because me and Pastor Brandon flipped a coin. We're both going to preach, but it's not going to be long. We're probably going to take about 15 minutes apiece. But I told him I flipped the coin myself, and he's going to go first. <laughs> and so at this time, he is, he is no stranger to this house. He is a friend, personal friend of mine. We've known each other uh, since college. Met him back in 1997. But little did I know that our lives were purposed to um, intertwine. My mother and his mom worked together for many years. Is your mom here? I didn't see Sister Kay. I didn't see. I see his father. I, I greeted him during greeting time. Uh, but I'm so thankful um, just for the fellowship and the brotherhood and the partnership that he has uh, meant to me in my life, even early on in ministry, and to look and see here we are, both pastoring and serving God, him and his beautiful wife and their beautiful children here on the front row. Can we just give a great God bless you to Pastor Brandon Darrell from the Crossover Church as he comes to minister to our hearts? And we'll be back in just one moment. Come on now, just put your hands together for Jesus. How many are glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Amen. It's a good thing to be in the house of the Lord. I'm excited about what God is doing. Amen. In this season and in this time. Amen. I just want to give you a short word tonight. Just want to give honor first to my Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That's what this is all about. Amen. And I thank God for what he's done in my life. Also giving honor to my wife. That's Lady Tamisha Darrell. Amen. We've been married for now 10 years as of June 10th. Amen. And if you've ever heard the saying, 2.5 kids, well, that's what I got right now. I got 2.5 kids. Amen. I got two that's born, and I got one that's five months in the womb. So that gives me 2.5 kids right now. Amen. And what a great place that is to be. Amen. I just want to encourage you tonight. Listen, the enemy is on the attack in marriage. Amen. So even going into 2017, we got to be deliberate and intentional about our marriages. Listen, the Bible says that what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Marriage was meant to have an accomplishment to it. Marriage wasn't meant for us to live in the same house, but one of us really, it seems like one of us is in California on the West Coast and the other one is in Florida. Oh, it got real quiet in here. I'm telling you, marriage is a ministry that has an accomplishment, so you need to work together with your spouse to find out what we need to be accomplishing together. I just wish I had a few people that would just clap your hands and understand he didn't put you together just to live with somebody, just to pay the mortgage with somebody, just to pay the rent with somebody. He put you together for an accomplishment, to do something. 
Two people coming together as one, 200% people, not 50%, not half, half, come together, make a whole. It's 100%, 100% so that we can accomplish what God has for us to accomplish together. I'm reminded of Pastor Kenny Keene a few years ago at Revival Tabernacle Marriage Retreat. He brought forth the book, What If Marriage Was to Make You Holy, Not Happy? Oh, y'all better understand what I'm saying. I didn't even plan to go this way, but, and we understand what holiness is. Holiness really means to be set apart for a specific work. Holiness is not what you thought it was, that your long skirt and your, your whatever you got on, all of that, no red lipstick, all of that stuff. Holiness means that I've been set aside for a specific work. So that means your marriage may not be to make you happy. It's preparing you for work. Man, y'all looking at me funny. Let me hurry up so Pastor Devin can come. That's not what I come to talk about, but 2017 has to be a year of focus. Focus is whatever your attention is centered on. What has your attention? I think in 2016, a lot of us have lost focus. If you just be honest with yourself. You've lost what your attention was really supposed to be on, whether it's through what you was going through, your problems, your issues. You lost sight of what you really were supposed to be focused on. So I've been telling Crossover that 2017 has to be a year of focus for me to center my attention back to where it needs to be. And first and foremost, your focus has to be first and foremost on your relationship with Jesus Christ. Because everything flows out of that relationship. I'm going to be through in a minute. Everything flows out of your relationship. So if you get your center of attention, if you focus it on him, then everything flows out of the source. Because guess what? He is our source. So when you focus on him and he gives you everything you need, that's why he said Matthew 6, says, seek ye first. And really that first means only. Seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things, the things that you've been chasing after, really should chase after you. He said, seek first the kingdom of God, all his righteousness, and all these things shall be added same things you're looking for, the same things you can't come to church for because you're working, you're doing all this other stuff. He said, those things shall be added unto you. Because of what? Because you seek first the source. He is our source. Everything flows out of him. That's why you can't get it right because you're not seeking the source. I'm telling you, he's got everything you need. Healing is in his hands. provision is in his hands. You need a little more money, it's in the source's hands. That's why he said, seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. And all these things, the same things that heathens, it says the Gentiles, the same things that the Gentiles or heathens seek after, it shall find you. So that's why 2017 has to be a year of focus. And you say, how do I get to the, to the source? Well, you need a transfer. You need a transfer to experience what the source has for you. That's why you need to understand that he is your Abba Father. Y'all know Abba, it's, a, it's an Aramaic term of intimacy. 
It means that you have become intimate with the source. It has an exchange has been made. He's given you something. He, you have been you have you've had an injection of his spirit. So that's why in 2017 you got to be under his influence. Y'all know how it is when you you exchange when you exchange with somebody. See, God is a spirit. And the Bible says they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. A lot of us are claiming that we know God, but we really don't have his spirit. It has to be a transfer that happens. So that's why he said we call him Abba, Father. We're intimate with him now because we've had an injection. We've had an exchange. The kids in here, I'm not going to say certain things tonight, but you got to have certain things. You got to inject something. You got to get a transfer from him so you can call him Abba, Father. Intimacy. I've been, I've been, I've been in relations with him. I know him, but knowing in our sense of the word knowing is not the same as what he's talking about. When you know someone, you know they were talking about knowing them in terms of relations, in terms of sexual relations. But when we say we know somebody, we just say, oh, I know that person. Oh, I've seen them around. I met them over there and they were there. No, knowing him means that you've been in intimate relationship with him. We got to have an exchange so that we can be under the influence. The Bible says, be not drunk with wine, where is an, wherein is excess. And you know what it was really saying? The focus wasn't on the fact of us being drunk with wine. The focus was actually on the influence. It's the influence. Because when you get drunk, you know you're influenced. You start saying stuff that you didn't even mean to say. You start stumbling around and doing all those kind of things, but that's why he says you got to be drunk, really, in the spirit. You got to experience an exchange so that everywhere you go, you're influencing who you come in contact with. If I'm on my job, I'm an influence. Even if I'm at church, I'm influencing people. You shouldn't be a believer and nobody want to be around you. There has to be an aura, an aura on you that comes from your intimacy with God that causes you to be able to affect the people that you come in contact with. Intimate relations. You start looking like him. You start talking like him. You start acting like him. You start changing people's lives when you come in contact with them because you've had an experience one experience with a king will change your whole life. And see, God has called us, and what we have to understand, and I'm almost finished, what we have to understand is God has called us to people. There are two finished works, and I'm going to talk about this and get out your way. There are two finished works, and I know we focus on the finished work of Jesus on the cross that's the first finished work. The work that he finished on the cross, we rely upon that. That's what our hope, our faith, our trust is in that because of what God has done. Now we are saved. We've been set free. We've been delivered because of the finished work of Christ on the cross. But there's another finished work. See, the first finished work was this. The first finished work took care of the problem between God and man. So that's us. 
We don't have a problem between our relationship with God. Because we, we got it. We're spiritual. We, we serve him. We're praying. We're, we're bowing before him. We're crying and praising worship. It's nothing like having an intimacy or a vertical relationship with him because of, what, of the finished work. But the second finished work is this. It's the problem between man and man. It's the problem between woman and man, woman and woman, man and child, wife and husband, daughter, son, enemy, co-worker. Oh, y'all looking at me crazy. That's the second finished work. The finished work that God has called us to people. If you look at the cross, the cross is horizontal and it's vertical. You cannot have a relationship with God if you don't have a relationship with people. You in your ugly attitude towards people. You're in here praising God and you're in the parking lot cussing people out. That's not the kind of relationship that we ought to have. How can you say that you love God and you've never seen him, but you don't love your brother that's sitting right next to you? I'm preaching better than y'all looking right now. You don't, I'm telling you, I got to get out of here. But let's remember going into 2017 that the second finished work. Yes, God has saved you. Yes, he's brought you out. You're delivered. You don't have to worry about anything. But listen, your relationship with people has to improve. Even Jesus had to go through this. Jesus says, even at 12 years old, he said he was about his father's business. His mother, they were looking for him. He says, I'm, I'm, I'm back here doing my father's business. And it says, even at that time, that Jesus increased in wisdom and stature in favor with God and man, which also includes one man. So stop talking about how deep you are with God if you don't get along with nobody. You don't get along with even your fellow church members. You can't even come to church because you're talking about everybody. And everybody is beneath you. God has called us to cover. And this is what I've been talking about at Crossover. He's called us to cover the uncomely parts. So every part that's ugly, if you've got it all together, then you need to be covering the person that's coming up short. That's what makes the body what it is. And I said this, and they'll understand what I'm talking about. I got a big toe on my foot. I need my big toe, but you don't see my big toe. Because guess what? It's covered up. It's needed, but it still needs to be covered. The Bible says that love covers a multitude of faults and sins. I don't care how much you think you got it together. If you do, he says, ye that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. That's what's going to make the body what it should be. That's what's going to make Revival Tabernacle what it should be. That's what's going to make Crossover what it should be. And the blessing flows, understand this, the blessing flows from the head. That's why we got to pray for Pastor Devin. You might not agree with everything Pastor Devin does, but he's the head. So in Psalms 133, it says, let brethren dwell together in unity. The only unity is in the spirit realm. So when we, we've been all made to drink, 1 Corinthians 12, y'all just write some of these down and read them in your spare time. 1 Corinthians 12 says, we've been all made to drink into one spirit. 
And then Psalms 133, if you go back there, it talks about let brethren dwell together in unity. There's only one unity that's in the spirit realm. And we have to give deference to the head because it says that's where the Lord commanded the blessing. Just as the dew that fell from Aaron's beard, it flows from the head down to the rest of the body. We are the body. So that's why it's important to lift up the head. It's important to pray for the head. It's important to bless the head because whatever happens with the head is going to happen to you. Y'all should have been shouting on that part. Whatever goes on in the head actually has to flow down. You know when your head hurts, that means everything is hurting. When the head hurts, everything is hurting. When you got a migraine, when the brain, when everything is going wrong in your head and you got so much stuff going on, you can't focus. That's why I said 2017 has to be a year of focus. Because I'm I'm getting rid of everything that's holding me back. Because if my head's not right then the rest of me can't be right. So that's why it's important to pray for Pastor Devin at this moment. Stand with him in unity at this moment. Because I'm telling you, the more more you bless him, the more you pray with him, the more you go with him, I'm telling you, the things that have been going on wrong in your life, you'll see a transformation. You'll see a transformation because you gave deference. You reverence the head. So remember that the finished work, the second finished work, God has already took care of your sin. He took care of the sin problem. That was the problem between God and man. He took care of that. But we got to get to the second finished work. And that's what he says, and I'm just going to read this, and I'm going to let you go just to give the little proof of that. The second finished work says in John 17, just to prove to you that it was a second finished work, he says, these words spake Jesus. And lifted his eyes in heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that thou might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Look at verse 4, and this is my key verse. It says, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Now check that out. Jesus hadn't got to the cross yet, right? Y'all read that with me? He hadn't got to the cross yet, but look what he said. He says, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. This was before he finished the work on the cross. So that means that there was another work that had been completed, and that was the relationship with people. The ones that he had called, his disciples, us. He finished a work before he got to the final work. So this is the finished work with us. The finished work of relationship. We got to love one another. Somebody wrote a song and said, I need you to survive. No, I don't need you to survive. I need you to thrive. Because I'm tired of surviving. So I need the people that are suppo- I'm supposed to be connected to. I'm connected with Pastor Devin. I need him for that connection so that I can thrive. Not just survive. Not just make it. Not just, oh, I need something right now and I'm begging you for something. No, for us to fulfill what God has called us to do in the earth, 
we got to be connected with the right people. No man is an island. We need one another because God has called us to be a body. And you need the other parts to help you to get where you got to go. Come on, y'all just clap your hands for Jesus. Amen. We're going to turn it to Pastor Devin. Come on, one more time for Pastor Brandon Darrell. That was a good word. Amen. I am, I'm encouraged because let me just tell you something. We, we need to be under the influence of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. We can't make it in this walk. In this year, we wouldn't have been able to make it. And we can't make it next year if we don't have the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. Amen. Amen. Come on, one more time. Put those hands together. Real quickly, let's just go open up your Bibles to the book of Psalms. I just got two passive scriptures, Psalms 27 and 14. And then put your finger right there in Isaiah 40. Verse 31, Psalms 27 and 14, and Isaiah 40 and 31. So good to have my mother in the sanctuary in the house of God today. She may be tired in her body, but... When she leave here, she's going to go back to the hospital and spend New Year's Day with my daddy. And God is still doing a work in his life. And we are glad about it. And just want to kind of talk a little bit from a personal experience tonight, and then we're going to get out of here. Psalms 27 and 14. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Let me just say that again. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Isaiah 40 and 31. Probably should have flipped these around, but you'll understand what I mean in just a moment. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. One more time. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. I want to talk just for a moment, just from the title, The Waiting Room the waiting room. And if, and if I would have a subtitle, I would probably say, you can't hurry God. Sometime you just got to wait. Matter of fact, go ahead and just look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you can't hurry God. You just got to wait. See, that was the wrong neighbor. You got to look at your other neighbor. Look at your other neighbor and say, neighbor, you can't hurry God. You just got to wait on them. Sometimes you got to find somebody on the other side of the sanctuary. Look at somebody, make eye contact and say, neighbor, you can't hurry, God. You just got to wait. Come on and put those hands together if you're waiting on them.
in many of our houses, no matter what type of house we live in, uh, there are some rooms that we have in common. Uh, it doesn't matter if you have um, a, a, an apartment, a condo, a townhouse, a single family dwelling, uh, or whatever it is, uh, or, or even a duplex. Most of the houses kind of have the same uh, basic features or rooms in it. Uh, there is a living room. How many people know about the living room? Yeah, and, and, and then there are kitchens, and, but there's also bathrooms. Every house has to have a bathroom. Uh, uh, most houses also have uh, 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 a bedroom. If you don't have a bedroom, I'll be concerned about your living situation. But you have a bedroom also. You have all these different things. But you also have uh, these rooms in your house that you are very cautious about letting people go into those rooms. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like in, like in my grandmama's house, it was the attic. Don't go in the attic. You don't want to go in the attic because the attic was, was where storage had just begun to accumulate. In our house, in me and Courtney's house, it's the basement. We, we, we've done some things around the house, but we don't want nobody going into the basement. The basement is one of those restricted areas. You don't go in the basement because we don't want you to see uh, uh, how we really get down because that's in the basement. It's just not really together in the basement. And so we try to avoid, anybody know what I'm talking about? We, we, so we try to avoid with all that we can uh, those basements or those certain rooms. For most of you all, it may be the den. You don't want to have anybody go into the den. Uh, I think it's also like that in our spiritual lives. And I think there is one room that we don't like to go into in our spiritual lives and that is the waiting room. Because throughout our life, we oftentimes find ourselves in a predicament where we have to wait. And somebody knows what I'm talking about when I can say this, sometimes waiting seems to be the hardest thing to do. Does anybody know what I'm talking about in here? And so many times while you're waiting, you have to experience some uncomfortability, some uneasiness in your waiting. I, over the last month, my family and I, we have spent quite a bit of time in the waiting room. December 6th, never forget, Tuesday morning, my father experienced or suffered a massive stroke. And so upon getting to the hospital, went to the waiting room. And while we were in that waiting room, we heard some not-so-good news. Then they took him up to ICU, and we had to go into another waiting room, and we had to wait on more news to come. And so many times, so many moments, so many uh, tug-of-war feelings and emotions were spent and uncovered and unearthed right in the waiting room. The waiting room is a very uncomfortable place to be in. But I've learned something while in the waiting room. God showed us something for us to do while we were in the waiting room. A lot of times when you're in the waiting room, uh, you, 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 you worry. A lot of times when you're in the waiting room, you get frustrated. A lot of times when you're in the waiting room, you begin to question the very essence of God and who God is while you're in the waiting room. But let me just tell you a secret that God began to show us while we were in the waiting room that began to just uh, make, make 
huge differences in our lives. And while we were waiting, God began to show us some things. Let me give you one tip, one point. I only got one point. I'll just say it, and then we're going to be done. But the, the main objective while we are in the waiting room that God wants us to understand is we have a responsibility while in the waiting room and our responsibility while we're in the waiting room is to pray for somebody else who is in the waiting room. There is a lady, while we were in the waiting room, there were several families that our family came in contact with, the Gonzalez family. We began praying for the Gonzalez family. Uh, there was another family, the Easton family. We began praying for the Easton family. Uh, several other families that, 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 that I won't call names, but we began praying for those families. Even though we were in need ourselves, God pressed upon our heart to begin praying for somebody else. Can I just tell you something? While we were waiting, God began to impress upon our hearts to pray for someone else, and we began to see God do some things in our situation while we were praying for somebody else's situation. And most times we get so, so, so focused on what it is that we're going through that we miss the fact that, yea, though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, See, you understand that you're going through, but somebody really feels like they're stuck in the valley of the shadow of death. Y'all not saying nothing to me in this place. But see, God is sending you through the valley of the shadow of death to be an encouragement to somebody else who feels like they're stuck in the shadow of the, the valley of the shadow of death so that you can be an encouragement and take them along with you as you're coming through. You said, guess what? You're not in this thing alone. I know what you're going through. I know it might be hard right now, but hang on in there. God is going to bring me through, and when I come through, you're going to come on through with me. And it's our responsibility to pray for somebody else. Watch this. The Bible says, the Bible says, let me just show you this. The Bible says in the book of Job that Job, watch this. We understand what happened to Brother Job. We know what happened to Brother Job. In one day, Brother Ken, in one day, Job lost everything that he had. Trauma hit his entire household and life. And in one day he lost everything. Watch this. The Bible says that and when, and oh, well, let, let me not get ahead of myself. Then Brother Job got into, got into a situation where his friends began to talk about him and began to say, see, I knew there was some ill-gotten gain. I knew there were some things that you did that didn't quite add up and pan out. I knew there was some unholiness or some unrighteousness found in your kid. You can't, you covered it all up for this long, but now the truth-telling time is here, and everything that you've been talking about, uh, now it's coming to the light. And the Bible says it like this, but when Job prayed for his friends. See, we always hear about, yeah, God gave him double for all that he had gone through. But the double did not happen until Job 
prayed for his friends, until Job prayed for those who were talking about him, until Job prayed for those who were despitefully using him, until Job prayed for those who, were, who, who said they were in his corner, but in, in all actuality they were not, until Job began to intercede for those people who, 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 who did not begin to reflect the very essence of God, then at that very moment, God, the Bible says, or the book of Job says that things were restored back unto him double than all that he had before. Most times, your very breakthrough is tied to you pulling somebody else through. See, and Pastor Brandon just got done talking about our influence and how we have to connect ourselves, not just, horizontal, not just vertically with God, but also horizontally with man. We can't go through this life. Revival has heard me say it time and time again. Life was never meant to be done alone. You can't go through this life by yourself. You were not designed to go through this life by yourself. There is something in you that I need and if I don't receive you, I'm going to go through my life handicapped. But guess what? If I can receive you, I know that I can get what it is that God has intended for me because I, because I understand that it's in you that I have to receive in order for me to be all that God wants me to be. And so we have to learn that we it is our responsibility to pray for one another, to intercede for one another, to intervene in one another's lives. We talked about this some weeks ago. Let me tell you something. Our, our greatest responsibility as believers is that of an intercessor. See, we've lost, this, we've lost this art in the church today because everybody wants to be a prophetess. Everybody wants to be a, a preacher and a teacher. Everybody wants to be up front, out front, on top and in charge. Let me tell you something. If you don't learn the responsibility of getting down on your knees and getting a prayer through to God, let me tell you something. I'm so glad to be a part of the body of Christ. Because if I was not part of the body of Christ, we would not have made it through the last month that we've been going through. It was the prayers of the righteous that availed much. It was the fact that we were able to get on the phone and call up our church family, call up our friends in the faith, and they begin to pray the prayer of faith, and we begin to watch God turn situations around. But if I was not a part of the body, guess what? I'd be lost. So the greatest responsibility, the greatest responsibility of every believer is that of an intercessor. Intercessor, begin to pray for somebody else. Because the Bible says that it's the effectual fervent prayers of the righteous that availeth much. But the next step after being an intercessor is sometime you have to understand that, yes, there is a moment when you have to intercede. But then there's also a moment when you have to intervene. See, and this is the part that most of us don't like because the intervening requires us to get a little dirty. And nobody in the church wants to get dirty anymore because sometimes peoples, before they can experience ministry, you have to find them in their mess. And how many people know life is messy? 
how many people know sometimes the things that people are going through, it's not the prettiest things that they'll be going through. But how many know that when Jesus saved you, it wasn't pretty what you were going through. It wasn't a wondrous thing that you were in. No, but he had to reach way down in the muck and the mire. And he began to lift you up. And he began to place your feet on a solid ground. And you don't want to tell the ugly part of your testimony. But if the truth be told, you would understand that if it had not been for the Lord who was on your side, you wouldn't be here today. Come on, somebody give God some praise in here. Let me just say this and I'm done. One of the one of the most intricate meanings of the word wait in Psalms 27. Watch this. It is confident expectation. Let me say that again. Confident expectation. Come on, say that with me. Say confident expectation. Come on, say it again. Say confident expectation. In other words, when you are waiting, you're not just wishful thinking. <laughs> when you're waiting, you're not just wishing upon a star, no matter who you are. No, 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 no. When you're waiting, you have a confident expectation. Oh, what are you saying? He says, wait on the Lord. In other words, have a confident expectation in the God that you serve. Let me tell you something. I don't want to serve God if I can't trust him. I don't want to depend on him if I can't trust him. But let me tell you something. The Bible says in Proverbs 3 verse 5, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Can I tell you why we can trust in him with all of our heart? Because he's trustworthy. And he's trustworthy because he's proven himself time and time and time and time and time again. So we can have a confident expectation on the Lord. And then he says, while you're doing that, you can be of good courage. This is how. And people begin to ask us, how in the world are you able to keep going? after you have been through all that you've been through. It's because I'm not worried about my daddy. Because I know my daddy is in the hand of God. Now don't get it twisted. There are moments when I have weak moments. I have real weak moments and I begin to uh, uh, fear and I begin to question God. But then I begin to build myself up on my most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. And then I get back focused to what's the real thing and keeping the main thing the main thing. And I don't have to worry because I know daddy is in the hands of God. And so that's how we can go around looking for whoever else that we can pray for. When somebody else comes into the room, we can begin praying for them. When somebody else comes onto the floor, we can begin praying for them. When somebody comes into your job that don't know how they're going to make it, you can begin praying for them. When somebody moves onto your block and you know they don't understand what's going on, you can begin praying for them. Why? Because God has equipped you with a confident expectation that even though things may not be going right in your own life, you have an assurance. You have a blessed assurance that even though, God, 
I may not see my way out, but I know you're going to bring me through. Do I have anybody in this place that has a confident expectation that God is going to bring them through? Let me tell you something, because I got about 20 of y'all that have a confident expectation. But what you need to do is you need to find somebody else who may be a little low in their faith and grab somebody and pull them up with you. Go ahead and grab somebody and pull them up with you. I need everybody on their feet. Come on and grab somebody and pull them up with you. And say, neighbor, we're getting ready to have a confident expectation. We're getting ready to wait on the Lord. We're getting ready to be of a good courage. We're getting ready to get our hearts strengthened. And then he says, wait, I say on the Lord. What you got to understand is that that last wait, I say on the Lord, it is a statement whereas you are expecting what is called new measures of help. See, it almost seems like he's, he's sounding redundant. He says, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. That wasn't the same type of wait. The first wait was a confident expectation. The second wait was expecting new measures of help to show up in your life. So as I'm praying for you, I'm expecting God to send new measures of help to my situation. As I'm praying for you, I'm expecting God to bring healing in my household. As I'm praying for you, I'm expecting God to do some things in my life and turn my finances around. As I'm praying for your marriage, I'm expecting God to do a work in my marriage. As I'm praying for you and I'm praying that your body is healed, I'm expecting God to send new measures of help so I can get my healing because the Bible says that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of my peace was upon him. And watches, and with his stripes, we are healed. So I wait on God. And I want you to hold the person's hand next to you. I want you to hold the person's hand next to you and let them know that I'm in this thing with you. Come on, tell them again. Tell them again. Say, I'm in this thing with you. And whatever it is that you're going through, let me just tell you something. I need the same thing too, but I'm going to pray for you before I pray for myself. Why? Because I understand that as I'm waiting on the Lord, I got a responsibility. As I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I have a responsibility. We don't live our lives for ourselves but we live our lives based on who God has called us to. And I believe that as we go through the very thing that God has thanks for us to go through, most times it's for us to recognize what it is that he wants to teach us while we're in the valley. And while you're in your valley, and as you begin praying for someone else, I believe that God is saying that as you continue to focus on the things in my house, I will take care of the things in your house. 
So right now, all over the sanctuary, begin praying for that hand that you're holding. We're not going to pray selfishly tonight. We're not going to be thinking about us and, oh, 2016 was bad and I'm looking for 2017 to be better for me. It's going to be a, I'm going to have a better year in 20. No, 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 no. Before you get to all of that, just take a pause for the cause and just begin to declare that, God, I'm going to pray for my brother. I'm going to pray for my sister. I don't know what it is that they may be going through, but I know one thing. That, if, that, 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 that the same God that is doing it for me is able to do it for them. And the same God that is doing it for them is able to do it for me. So come on, all over this room, begin lifting your voices up and begin praying. God, do it for my brother. Do it for my sister. Come on, be an intercessor right now. Be an intercessor right now. And God, when the time calls for us to move from interceding to intervening, God, let us intervene. Let us not become so concerned about the very things that we go through that we miss out on being a blessing in someone else's life, being used by God. For God, I believe the very thing that you want to do for us, you want to do through us. So God, make us to be a blessing. Make us to be a conduit by which you work. And God, as we leave this year, God, we're not going to be so me-focused, but we're going to be we-focused. We're going to be focused on the things of God and the people of God, the people that you've called us to, the people that we're surrounded by. Come on, lift your voices, church. Begin to pray. Come on, begin to pray. Begin to pray. Cry out for them. Cry out for them like you're crying out for yourself. And say, Lord, I need you. Not a moment can go by, God. I need you. Can't make it. Can't wait another day, God. We need you. My brother needs you. My sister needs you. God, they're hurting. They're crying, God. They don't know of any other help, God. They're miserable on their job, God. But, God, they need you. God, the home life is not what it should be, God. They need you. God, they feel frustrated in ministry, God. They need you, God. God, begin to lay your hand on their situation. Begin to lay your hand on their problem. Begin to lay your hand on their issue. And God, turn it around for them. Turn it around for them, oh God. Turn it around for them. Come on, pray that God will turn it around for them. Turn it around for them, oh God. And God, as you're turning it around for them, God, I believe, God, that you're turning it around for me. I believe that you're fixing it, oh God. While I'm in the waiting room, I'm going to wait on you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to live for you all that I know how. And I'm going to serve your people the best way that I know how. I will be a reflection of God on this earth. And whatever it is that you need, whatever it is that you need of me, God, however it is that you want to work in me, Lord, here I am. Here I am. Here I am, Lord.
Use me, O oh God. Our community at Revival Tabernacle aims to reach our city and beyond with the life-changing message of Jesus. Thank you for your support. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at www.revivaltab.org.